Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Guys, I am really excited to bring you today's guest. This is a run back. I was fortunate enough to appear on her show a few months ago. She is the creator of The Effortless Life and she helps entrepreneurs take back control of their business. Also the host of the Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship Podcast. Please welcome to the show, Courtney Elmer. Courtney, it's great to have you. Samuel, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's not often I get to go on other people's podcasts and, and then get to invite them on mine. So thank you for coming and hanging out. So for, for the guys that didn't hear that episode, Courtney, just give us a real quick rundown of, uh, of who you are and actually why I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Absolutely. So, you know, when you mentioned my podcast, Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship, that says it all. That's what I do. It's why I do it. And really, it's this idea about growing through what you go through especially in business and also in our lives. Because like you talk about a lot here on the show, Samuel, you know, nobody's talking about their failures. Mm -hmm. Everybody's showing their highlight reel and all the glamorous bits of success. I like my highlight reel. Three hour morning routine that made them a seven figure millionaire. That's not true. And it's not the reality. It's not the reality. So part of the work that I do is here to normalize failure in the business space, much like you, and, and embracing this idea of anti-fragility as entrepreneurs, that not only is it that we're going to fail and acknowledging that truth and accepting that truth, but that the failure is actually what brings growth. There you go. And that that's actually the catalyst for the growth that we're able to achieve in our personal lives, in our relationships, in our businesses as a whole. That's it. Perfect. And so, yeah. All right. That's the nutshell version. That's the show. Great. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, that, <laughs> At the end. See you later. <laughs> I mean, you can't really get you can't really get much better than that. Um, you know, it really is all about accepting the fact that failure is just it's just a foundation for what it is that you're trying to build. Um, man, take me back to the beginning, Courtney. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur when you were a kid, or was it something that you kind of grew into later on in life? Well. I don't know if selling pine cones on the side of the road when I was about seven years old counts as my first entrepreneurial venture. But, you know, I feel like I have always had that entrepreneurial streak. And one day my best friend and I decided because her mom said, she's like, look, you've got this beautiful pine tree. And they, I live in the south, southern part of the states. I'm okay. in New Orleans. Oh, wow. Okay. So we've got the oak trees that are these mm -hmm. big, beautiful old oak trees. And we've got the pine trees. And they grow really tall. And a lot of them have like very long needles. And they drop these huge like baseball size no pine cones. right and so one day her mom was like those are really beautiful you could sell those to people they could decorate their fireplace with them and now you know you see them in the grocery stores you can go buy them yeah. in the fall and they're scented like cinnamon well we didn't have cinnamon scented pine cones <laughs> but we set up our little table and we made our sign and we were going to wow. sell these pine cones we didn't make a single sale so there you go my first failure in business right there the the whole business failed wow but that was my first foray into entrepreneurship. And from there it evolved into selling blueberry jam that I okay. would make and then sell on the corner at downtown historic area in our town that I grew mm -hmm. up in, you know, baking banana bread, selling that, those sorts of things. <laughs> and then kind of ventured into the nonprofit space, which was, you know, raising money for different causes. You know, I'm gonna go walk 10 miles if you would sponsor me and yeah, sponsor yeah, yeah, yeah. so much money per mile and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so. I always had this drive to create and this drive yeah. to fulfill my life's purpose like many of us do. I didn't know what that purpose was. But interestingly enough, when I graduated here from college, I graduated with an English lit degree, mm -hmm. thought I was going to go into law school, 
but was so burnt out from five years of study that I was yeah. like, no, that's not yeah. the path. I'm not doing that. I, I hear that happens quite quite a lot with uh, with students. They they get done there and they they look at that mountain of law law school. They they decide to go and explore an alternative for a little while. You know. Yes, same. And it's like, what am I going to do with an English lit degree? Okay, so went and found <laughs> you said a job. It. That, I didn't say that. You right? said that. I know. Look, I'm the first to admit it. Like, whoa, what was I thinking? So I went and found a job in the design industry, which I always had loved and had mm. always wanted to be a part of. And started working in the corporate world and then kind of bounced around. I was in the design space for a while, I was in the retail space, was in the financial sector for a while and did very well at all the different jobs that I had, you know, climbing that ladder, earning those promotions. Right, I was driving right. a nice car. I had the salary coming in, all of those things. And I had met the love of my life during this time. He had proposed. We had this beautiful fairy tale wedding planned, mm -hmm. had our wedding and got home from our honeymoon. And two days later, I found myself sitting in the doctor's office being diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. That, that's was, a, yeah, that's a twist there. You don't, you don't ever want to hear that, man. Right? 25 right. years old. Oh, two wow. Two days after our honeymoon. And I can remember Samuel sitting there, like, holding my brand new husband's hand, thinking to myself, in sickness and in health, this is not exactly how I pictured this. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a moment for me in my life, and I, I call it a catalyst moment. Right, yeah. Where it set me on a different trajectory. I wish I could say that after treatment and recovery, that that was when I made a huge change, started my business, and everything was all amazing and rosy posy after that, but it wasn't. I went back to corporate because that's oh, wow. what was familiar. That's mm -hmm. what I was comfortable with. That's what was not unknown and therefore safe. And so the next three years that I worked for someone else, mm -hmm. I felt like I was wasting time. Right, right. Because I wasn't doing the thing that I was here to do. But it took me those three years just to muster up the courage in myself to say, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to actually make this work. Wow. And I'll do whatever it takes to figure that out. And it'll take as long as it takes. But it took me three years to even get to over those fears to get to that point. That's un unbelievable. You, you, have, you have such a similar story to my, my younger brother. Um, cancer in his mid-20s. And about three years later, he finally decided, I'm, I'm wasting time. And he, he jumped out and he started his own business. But like, nobody expects that. You know, mid-20-year-olds mid aren't supposed to get cancer. You know, and then just just like that. Now, I, I wanted to ask, how, how do you think that, um, how did you think that that affected you? Um, you said you're running out of time, but like the, the, the psychological influence of actually, you know, having and recovering from cancer, how did that affect your approach to entrepreneurship and, and growth? And how does that last through today? This is such a great question, because at the time I didn't see the connection but now looking back, it's so obvious. It could have like smacked me in the face, you know, because it's mm -hmm. like you look back and you realize these moments in your life where you're called to growth. You're called to grow. And it's a choice that you have. I could have sat there in that doctor's office and become a victim. Right. And said, oh, this is happening to me or pitiful me. And don't get me wrong. I had some moments like that. Of course, you know, it was tough to go through. 
But at the same time, in the doctor's office that day, I made a choice because I can think back to this moment and I remember it so clearly. Mm -hmm. And the choice was to not let this get me, to not let this be the thing that defined my story. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. And to take over my life in that way. And it was just this small little voice that inside of me somewhere said, you're going to beat this and you're going to get through it and you're going to get to the other side and you'll have a story to tell. Yeah. But what was really interesting, Samuel, is that if you go back to my childhood, you know, when I was growing up, I was very loud mouth, opinionated, outspoken, sassy. Mm -hmm. And I would tell people what I thought, whether they liked it or not. Was that a, that mom, was a southern droll that just snuck in right there? Yeah, you heard that? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. So my mom, you know, would try to channel that in me and her mm -hmm. the way that she knew how. And a lot of times she would say, Courtney, your mouth is what gets you in trouble. Like, go to your room, write these <laughs> 2000 lines, right? You're being punished, kneel in the corner, whatever it was. Right. And so for some reason, when I was about nine years old, and I can remember this, I was standing in the kitchen mouthing off to her about who knows what. And she's washing the dishes and she turns and she looks at me. She's like, Courtney, your mouth, it gets you in trouble. That's it. And she just points, you know, go to your room. Do and you... for whatever reason that day, I internalized that message. <laughs> and from that point forward, I stopped speaking out. Right. Because if I was going to be punished for it, if there was going to be pain inflicted because of it, well, my brain told me that's not safe. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. And so for the next 20 plus years, I proceeded to fit myself into the boxes that the world gave me. Be this way, show up this way, right. this way, act this way, do your hair this way, wear these mm -hmm. clothes. All in an effort to find love, to find acceptance. But really what I found was a lot of pain and a lot of hurt because yeah. it takes so much energy to live a life that's not yours. It's very true. And to live as someone yeah. that you're not. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when I got that diagnosis, first of all, it was thyroid cancer, which your thyroid sits right above your vocal cords. Right. And the number one risk of that surgery is having your vocal cords severed and losing your voice and never being able to speak again. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the irony was not lost on me. You know, here I am, having been told all these years, <laughs> my voice gets me into trouble, my mouth gets me into trouble, don't speak, be seen and not heard, that kind of mindset. Mm-hmm having fit myself into these boxes to please anyone and everyone to now be at this turning point in my life where not only did I have to choose to live and to get through what I was about to go through, but I had to choose to, to start using my voice again. Because when I woke up from surgery and I had my voice, I remember my doctor over my bed saying, Hey, can you say my name? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't to see if the anesthesia wore off. It was to see if I could speak. Right. And so that was my second chance. And I knew I couldn't waste it. So when I started my business, I had no idea what my message was. I had no idea the work that I was here to do or, or how I was going to help people. You know, I just knew that I had been through something really difficult. Mm -hmm. And I had come out of the other side a different person. And then I know that there are people in the world who were going through difficult things. And then I wanted to be able to impart some of the wisdom I had learned along the way with them. Right, right. Now, you know, from a business perspective, that, that is, sounds very nice. It's very inspirational, but it's not very marketable. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And so I really struggled those first few years in business to even get clients because it was like, who is this girl, Courtney? What is she talking about? We have no idea. How can she help us? You know, it's very vague and so you have this amazing transformation, but it wasn't very clear. You had a job though, right? And then you left the job to go pursue the business. Talk me through that and, and what that felt like and what kind of uncertainties that you had before you took that leap of faith. Yeah, well, you know, the job itself was a very, I'll call it a toxic environment. Because mm -hmm. in that workplace, we were not encouraged to thrive. It was more cutthroat. There was a lot of gaslighting going on. There was a lot of, I'll call it emotional abuse. I'm glad where, I don't have a job. Gosh, yeah. You know, where you bring your best ideas to the table to help mm -hmm. this other person grow their company. And then you get told, oh, there's not a problem. What, what problem, you know, or, <laughs> or that idea? No, right? And it was, this, it was this, you know, honestly, looking back now, Samuel, and as I sit here today and share this with you, I can look back and see how that job, there were so many opportunities for me to use my voice there. Right. But I allowed people to take it from me, and I allowed people to take my power from yeah. me because of my deeper fears of rejection, abandonment, being laughed at, being ridiculed. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost like a carbon copy of the situation where I had as a young girl growing up where, you know what, it's not worth speaking up at all. I'm just gonna right. keep my head down, I'm gonna do my job, I'm gonna take home my paycheck, it's, and that'll be that. It's sad that a lot of jobs end up that way, man. Uh, a lot of people feel the same way. They just, they, they don't speak up about things they want to and they just keep their head down and, and take that paycheck. Do you think that made it easier to leave? It did make it easier to leave. <laughs> it absolutely did. Because I reached that breaking point where yeah. it was, you know what, I'm not gonna take this anymore. I don't, and, and the cancer recovery and that journey definitely played a role in this mm -hmm. because I knew how fragile life right. really is. That had been made very clear to me going through this whole experience. So I didn't want to keep wasting that time. And taking the leap was also really scary. Yeah because I didn't know what I was doing. Starting a business, yeah, I used to sell stuff on the side of the road, <laughs> and, you know, make $20, $30 spending money, but you know, a business, right? It felt like this huge right. undertaking. And, and I believed in myself, but I was also really afraid. Mm -hmm. And so tell me about the trajectory of that business. What was it like when you got your first customer and, and how did you go about being somebody that only had experience of selling jam jars on the, on the street corner to actually like thriving as an entrepreneur. What was that like getting going? Well, I think it was, first of all, the inward belief in myself that I could do it. That was the thing that pulled me through the darkest of times. I mean, look, there's been many tearful nights along the road yeah. where I'm sitting here going, am I doing it? Should it would it be easier to just stop doing this? This is hard, blah, 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 all of that. <laughs> it's all hard. It's all hard. Yes. But when you can finally accept that it's hard mm -hmm. and expect that it's hard, then the expectation of it being easy is gone. Right. right. And that false expectation of it being easy is no longer putting pressure on you unconsciously that it should be easy. Why is this so hard? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. 
I think that it doesn't get easier. You just get better at doing hard stuff. You just get more accomplished at it. It's still really hard to do stuff, but because you've done it so many times and you're so well practiced, it becomes easier. Like you just get better at what you're doing. Um, it's just like deadlifting, you know, if you're going to work out, I mean, you might be deadlifting the bar the first mm -hmm. time you do it. You're like, yep. oh my gosh, looking around at other people. This is terrible, right? How uh, come I can't lift? But you could just keep at it and you're eventually going to not only get stronger, you'll get better at doing it. Your form is going to improve. Your muscles will grow and you'll be able to lift more and more and more. And correct. it's the same thing. It's, it, people put, put so much focus on the outcome mm -hmm. and they need to put the focus on just putting in the reps, just showing up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's like anything else. They they don't understand that the, the outcome is made up of a, a great number of inputs and it's consistent inputs over time that, that, that get you uh, the outcome that, that you want to. So, you know, a, a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with that. They struggle with the, the fear of failure. You know, what, what advice have you got that you could share, uh, maybe learning from setbacks and kind of embracing that failure? What can, what can you say on that? Yeah, so, you know, there's a metaphor for this that I really love. Mm -hmm. When you think of ancient civilizations, right? Okay. Your ancestors 12, 20 generations back, right? Really ancient, ancient. And what did they do? They would wander around the earth and they would look for places to set up camp and they would look for certain things, right? Was there water? Was there protection? Could we, you know, <coughs> set up a camp here and be relatively safe from whatever predators or storms or whatever might, might come? Right. Could we survive here? And when you look and you look at what they did, you know, they, they didn't climb to the top of the mountain and pitch camp there. Right. They pitched their camps in the valleys. It's the most fertile ground. Mm -hmm. And when we can look at our lives this way, especially as entrepreneurs, we are all shooting for the peak of the mountain. We want the seven-figure business. We want the eight-figure business. We want the nice car. We want the time freedom. Right. We want the recognition. Our ego wants that to be recognized and to be esteemed. Of course, yeah, of course. That's what we want. But it's also not sustainable mm -hmm. because what you thought you were going to feel when you hit six figures is likely <laughs> not what you felt. What you thought what you were gonna feel when you hit seven figures is likely not what you felt. Mm -hmm. And so the goalpost keeps being moved. Yeah. And so it's this constant chase and it's this, this inability to be satisfied with who we are, where we are. And on the one hand, you might argue, well, that's the drive. That's the game of it, right? That's the game right, of entrepreneurship. Right. And that, that's good and fine until it's not. Because we all know there's more depth to life than just achieving the next goal or achieving the next accomplishment that we've right, written on our, right. our dream board that we want to achieve. And what we have to begin to realize is that the richest soil is in our failures. It's in our shortcomings. Mm -hmm. It's in the valleys of our life because that is where we grow. Right, right. It's in those darkest moments where we put down roots and where we're able to grow further than we would have ever been able to grow before without those failures. So when I look at failure, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people say, oh, don't even use the word, turn it into lessons, right? Turn it into <laughs> learning. So no, you, you definitely failed. Mistakes. Yeah. Makes mistakes. 
right? And that's all good and fine. Right. But whatever you want to call it, the reality is there's going to be some really dark moments in your life that you're going to face. Yes. Whether it's a big thing like a diagnosis that hits you out of nowhere, you lose a loved one, an accident, a tragedy, mm -hmm. or whether it's the little things that add up, like trying to grow a business in a really slow economy and the sales just aren't coming in and the fear of laying awake at night of, can I keep the lights on? Can I right. pay my team? Right. And so we're going to have these failures, these adversities. And so your job as an entrepreneur is not to just get through it or to avoid it, but to learn how to better navigate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what I like to say, you know, and, and a lot of times you're talking to your business friends or friends in your relationships. Hey, how's it going? How's work going? It's like, yeah, it's been all right. You know, I'm going through some stuff. It's been tough, been rough. Catch yourself next time you say, I'm, I'm going through some stuff and say, no, no, I'm growing through some stuff right now. Mm, yeah. Because it's that one simple little shift that then cracks open your brain enough to then begin to recognize the opportunities, even in that dark moment where the light is shining through, where the arrows are pointing you in a direction yeah. and where you can say, you know what, this sucks and it's hard, mm -hmm. but I know that this is where the growth is happening. I may not see what that growth is right now. Right, and I may right. not see it till I'm on the other side of this, but I can trust and know that as long as I keep going, I can't fail. I won't lose because the growth is inevitable. I love that. I love that. I, I like to compare it to a video game and you know, you play the level and sometimes you, you die when you hit the boss and it's in playing the level that you learn how to beat the boss and get past the level and continue in the game. I, I find life to be like just so much like that. Um, anything you want, you just got to go play that level and go get it and, and fail a few times until you can, uh, until you can beat it. So moving on, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast, uh, anti-fragile entrepreneurship. Um, first of all, you know, what inspired you along with, 20 million other middle-class white people, such as myself, what inspired you to start a podcast and find your voice on the internet? Yeah, well, you know, at that time in my business and in my life, I was a new mom. And my son was about 18 months old. Mm -hmm. He wasn't in daycare. He was home with me full time. And that was a choice I made. And there were some days where I was like, Courtney, what the hell were you thinking? That <laughs> this is hard, you know, trying to yes. learn how to be a mom, learn how to scale a business, doing both at the same time. And I really only had the nap time windows of the day mm -hmm. to work. Right. So I was working in these 30 to 90 minute time blocks, two or three spread throughout the day. And the rest mm -hmm. of the time I was not working and I was just being a mom. Right. Which and is, so, it, that's a lot of work in itself. Let's, let's not. Which is so much work in yeah, itself. that's a and lot that's of work. Thing, and look, this could get us into a whole nother conversation here. But if you're a parent, you got to give yourself more credit than you're giving yourself right now. Yes. I want you to stop saying that, oh, I only work 20 hours a week. I heard myself just now say, oh, the rest of the time I was just a mom. <laughs> and immediately my brain was like, no, Courtney, you were not just a mom. Mm -hmm. There was real work that you were doing there. And this is why parents who run businesses often work more cumulatively than those who are growing businesses without children. Yeah. Because even though you might only be spending 20 hours a week in your business, you're spending the other 40 to 60 mm -hmm. raising the next generation. Yeah. And yeah. that takes work and that takes energy. So don't oh. forget that. Man, I, I, I have... remind myself of that all the time too. 
I had mine uh, shit at the time what were they seven and nine I had them all through COVID homeschooling them so they would come to work with me they were in the business with me and uh, yeah you, you have a whole lot more respect for um, the amount of work that goes on in parenting when you're trying to run a company and, and raise kids so uh, <laughs> hats off hats off to that um, man I don't even know. Do, do your kids, is, is it like payback for you running your mouth as a kid? Did that come back around to you or not? Or are they know, not old enough yet? This is where I yet? wanted to go with the, the whole podcast and the owning Yeah, business. yeah, you know, yeah. Because if you look at what we do in our company now, we actually help people launch podcasts. Okay. Use them as a tool for lead generation in their business. Get those people in the top 100 and take them from unheard expert to in-demand thought leaders. They can okay. be recognized and let's, use their voice to build their legacy. Let's I, let's dig deeper into that process here in a minute after you finish telling me about the kids. <laughs> but okay. I do want to, yeah, don't just skate over that. Let's come back to that. No, no, no. I'm going to like tie it all in together. You see how all this weaves together. Oh, shit. I'll just shut up then. Carry on, please. <laughs> so, you know, with my podcast, and you asked me this a moment ago, Samuel, like, well, what prompted that? Why do right. you want to start it? Mm -hmm. So here I am building my business. I'm walking the neighborhood during the day with my son strapped in the stroller, my AirPods in my ears, because that was like the only personal time that I could get to myself. Right. Hands free. You know, he's got a snack and he's just kind of looking around at the birds and the trees. And, mm -hmm. and I'm listening to podcasts because I wanted to know the shortcuts. I wanted to know the secrets. I wanted to know the golden tickets and the fast tracks to getting where I wanted to go because I only had so much time right, right. to be able to devote to my business that I had to be very intentional with how I was spending that. Mm-hmm. And one day on mile 225 of however many miles we walked, you know, in our, in our early days of, you know, raising my son, I real, something clicked and I realized, why not a podcast? Why couldn't you be doing this, Courtney? You could be sharing this deep knowledge that you have, mm -hmm. creating deeper connections with people than you're able to create right now on social media and literally building your stage to share your message with a global audience. And that just ignited this flame within me that, you know, what drove me to do the podcast was deeper connection. Because right. at the time, and this was before TikTok, I mean, short form content was nowhere near what it is now. And even then I was posting three, four, five, 10 times a week, you know, trying to fit this depth of knowledge that I had into a 150 word Instagram <laughs> caption, Yeah, you know, that would get two likes and 12 spam comments and zero DMs from people mm -hmm. saying, Hey, can I work with you? Yep. And it felt like I was throwing my time away Yeah. on it... the sh short form content that everyone says you need, but that wasn't giving me the return I was looking right, for. Right. Right. Th I think we've all been there at some point, you know? It's uh, yeah. it, it's quite tricky to navigate, and and actually, it, it's easy to post stuff. It's it's tricky to engage and entertain and educate and and get that result that you want and get the client. Oh, sorry, get the viewer, the the the, the listener, the the whatever it is to take action and move into your ecosystem. That's the difficulty with it. Anybody can pop up videos, you know. Oh yeah, and if all it took were posting consistently to Instagram to <laughs> be successful, well then wouldn't we all have a yeah. million followers, right? All of us yeah. who are posting five times a week, you mm -hmm. know? And that's mm -hmm. just not the case. Nope. And so I really started to look at marketing as a whole and really seeing the holes in the marketing that many of us are taught, right? Mm -hmm. Short form content, grow a following, do all of these things. And so we wind up doing all these things that really are not giving us any kind of payback. Right. And I started looking at what the influencers and the people that I admire were doing, right? Mm -hmm. The business leaders, the experts, the ones that I would plug in and listen to every right. week. Yeah. And just about every single one of them had a podcast. Mm. And I started looking at not 
what they were teaching on their podcast as much as how they were doing it and how they were leveraging that content where they would publish that thought leadership content once. And then it would get distributed across their other platforms. Right, it would become right. the email that they send to their list the next week. Mm -hmm. right? And it was the place where they were building connections and relationships with their community, their listeners, which builds trust, yep. which creates demand, which drives yep. sales. And I'm mm -hmm. like, this is brilliant. And what I began to really notice too is that, I mean, look at, look, at, look at Instagram, look at threads, look at TikTok, pick whatever one you want. LinkedIn, doesn't matter. Yeah. Any short form content platform. People are no longer going there to be educated. And I don't care who tries to tell you that, oh, it's a platform for education. No, it's a platform for entertainment. Mm -hmm. People are logging on at night, <clears throat> scrolling their feed before they go to bed, Correct. double tapping on stuff that they think is funny or that gives them a distraction or that gives them that little dopamine hit, even if it's unconscious, they don't realize that's why they're liking mm -hmm. that post, right? Yep. And they're there to be entertained. But as a business owner, if I'm trying to educate people or change perspectives or shift beliefs, mm -hmm. then leaning solely on short form content to do that, it's kind of like trying to ride to the grocery store with your bike and you've got a flat tire, right? Correct. You've got the front yep. tire inflated, you've got mm -hmm. short form content, but you have no way to keep them engaged, to go deeper with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's a big difference between consuming 15, 15 second videos on Instagram versus immersing yourself in a two hour and 15 minute movie. Right, absolutely. You know, there's a difference between reading a 150 word caption versus immerse yourself in a book mm -hmm. that someone wrote that changes your life. Yeah. So the more I began to realize this and just look at human behavior, I mean, this that my background psychology, like kind of looking at user habits and I'm like, you know, short form content is not the fastest way to build an audience. It's actually the slowest mm -hmm. because people have to consume more of that content before they trust you enough to want to make a buying decision. Right. Someone now has to spend over seven hours with you before they trust you enough to buy from you. And if you do the math and videos we know are getting shorter and shorter, that's 3,400 seven second reels that someone would have to consume of yours. Right, right before they're ready to say, hey, yeah, I think you're the person for me. Let's work together. That's a lot. Like, that's why that's I like podcasts. Lot. I don't have that kind of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, these leaders either. don't have that kind of time. And that's what I was realizing. I'm like, they're, they're getting better, better at leveraging their time. Mm -hmm. And they're doing that through long form content, books, blogs, podcasts. Yep. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not... Uh, it's not a secret as to why I've got a podcast. I mean, it's how I generate business. It's how I uh, educate my audience. It's how I get them to trust me and that, like hopefully like me. You know, it's 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 literally the 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 linchpin and pretty much everything I do publicly is is this show is so that I can have that long form content and get it cut up and get it distributed and and like earn those listeners. Like that's uh, that's kind of the point, and it's done. Like in the last two and a half years, it's transformed my business completely. It's it transformed my life just from from having a podcast. So uh, yeah, that's uh, it's one of those. I think everybody should consider doing it, but or on the show but if I did it would be to tell you about the systems and processes I use for running businesses online which you can find in our Facebook group over at followsam.live all right back to the interview running a podcast is hard 
and 90% of all podcasts ever launched don't make it past, what was it, episode 13, something like that, maybe, maybe episode 10. What advice episode you... Episode 6. 6, all right, well, that, that number keeps coming down, or different people keep making up the statistic, but it's not very many. <laughs> so what advice have you got for, for people like that are considering starting a podcast? And what does setting one up look like? And what can you do to ensure that you're going to make it past episode six? Because nine out of 10 people don't. Yeah, this is a loaded question. And I love it. <laughs> so many questions within the question there. And There's you know, lot, you're yeah. right. You're right. It's hard. So is growing a business. Yeah. So is hitting six figures. Mm -hmm. So is hitting seven figures. Mm -hmm. So is hitting eight. So is working on your relationships. Yep. So is working on yourself. So it's not only a matter of how hard something is, right? And, and that's not the lens that we need to look at a podcast through. So speaking specifically to podcasting, you've done hard things before, but it's more a matter of the belief in yourself. And, and this is what keeps most people from starting is like, well, I've never done it before. I don't know if I'm going to be successful at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, when you were a baby, you had never walked before, but you learned how to do that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? in the driver's seat of the car for the first time and you never pressed the gas pedal before but oh boy here we go i'm gonna do this and you figured that one out too yeah, yeah. learning to talk we do hard things all the time so it's not a matter of how hard something is it's a matter of how committed you are to it and how committed are you to your audience to be delivering that type of content in that particular way right showing up each week for them to be able to deliver that value and this is where, you know, if, if that, you know, if you're on board with that and you're like, yeah, okay, I, I, I have seen the power of podcasting at work because look, every podcast that you listen to, you're listening to this podcast right now. Mm -hmm. We are proving to you the power of podcasting. Correct. You're listening to me. You're getting to know me. You never didn't know me from Adam before you heard me on this episode, mm -hmm. but now you're getting to know me and you're either going, ah, I don't like this girl. And if not, you've already clicked off and you're listening to something else. Hopefully that's not the case. But if you're still <laughs> listening to my voice right now, you're like, all right, I dig it. I hear what she's saying. I hear what Samuel's saying. Yeah. Okay. We are proving to you the power of this medium. Yeah. As you sit here and listen. So to your question about how do we actually make it successful? How do we actually go into it with the right game plan and frame of mind to know without a doubt and with a certainty that this is going to be successful? Because you're right. So many people quit. Only 12% of podcasts even make it past the first year. Isn't that crazy? It breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Because what happens is people think that, oh, gosh, because I didn't get the results that I wanted. You know, I'm not getting millions of downloads yet. I'm going <laughs> to quit. I'm going to move on to some other shiny object. And they wind up making the mistake of believing that it had something to do with them, that they were not good enough, not enough of an expert, mm -hmm. that they, people didn't like the sound of their voice, right? That there was something wrong with them or their message. And that's not the case at all. It's just that they went into it without a clear plan of action to succeed with it. Right, right. I mean, you, know, my... you would never spend two years writing a, a book only to hit publish on Amazon and cross your fingers and hope it hits the best out. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no, no. But like, I think, I think people are unprepared for the amount of effort it does take to, to find traction. I mean, you know, we used a, a launch technique and we stacked reviews and we did a whole bunch of stuff and we broke into, I think we highest we charted in a, in, in the U S was about 148, 150, somewhere in there. And, you know, we're consistently in the top two or 3% of podcasts for, for business worldwide. But for the first 
six, seven, eight months, it was like shouting into a canyon filled with fog. You you never heard back. You know, I might get, uh, I think my first month we got like, you know, maybe, maybe four or 500 downloads in a whole month. Like, and to put all that effort in and then wonder why, um, nobody prepared me for the fact that there was going to be a lot of time spent like just talking and not feeling feedback and then once the feedback arrived it just kept coming like it kept growing and it kept doing it kept doing better and better and better what advice do you have for guys that are just starting out and they may be in that little valley there um they might be four five six months into it and not hearing what they want to hear from their audience stop looking for the feedback (laughs) Just ask, ask, ask your mom. At least she listens, because, right? Because think about it. Think about how conditioned we are mm-hmm. to look to the external world outside of us for validation. It's what we've been taught to do since we were little kids. You know, we draw right. a picture, we show it to our mom and dad. Oh, good job, honey. That's amazing. Right? And we do a cool thing in school. We get all A's on our report card and we show it to our parents. We're like, Oh, good job. That's awesome. (laughs) And then we go on and we graduate college and it's a big party and it's, wow, you did that. That's amazing. Good job. And so we go through our life and and we learn, we condition, we come conditioned through the events, the experiences, the people around us. Right, right. To look outside of ourselves for validation. Well, I, this is the, you know, I, I post my report card pictures to to Facebook right now. It's the first time I've ever made A's in anything. Like, it's great. It's wonderful. But it like, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's to be celebrated. And I'm not saying that it's not. But I showed my mom a picture. And she said, you're 43 coloring the lines already. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough. You know, it's one of those things that as entrepreneurs, at some point or another, we got to come to terms with. Right, right, for sure. And 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 to look at the weight and the merit that we give other people's opinions of us. Because yeah. what's more important? someone's opinion of you or the work that you're here to do. And so I like the fact that think of it this way, you know, if you're doing a podcast, let's say, let's say you have the plan, Mm -hmm. you know, the steps, you know what you need to do to make it successful. Maybe you had some initial success, like you came out the gate kicking, you know, and that was awesome. Then maybe you hit a bit of a plateau and then you said seven, eight months, it kind of felt like nothing. Mm -hmm. And then it picked up and then it went going. Right. What you did Samuel during that time is you didn't give up. No, I kept, kept I kept going. going. Yeah, yeah. And I this kept is going. the beautiful part about those times in our lives where we feel like we're just standing in an echo chamber, and it's like, hello, hello, anybody there? Anybody there? <laughs> and those are the moments where we get to tune in and hear our own voice. Yeah, yeah. And where you can show up and just do you. Yes, of course, we want people to listen, and yes, of course, there are people like me and others in the world who could teach you how to get there, right, and how to have this top 100 podcast of your dreams. And there's some strategy that goes into it. But at the end of the day, even more than the strategy is your belief in yourself and your desire to become the host of a top 100 podcast. Right, right, right. And that's where the rubber meets the road. It's can I commit to showing up like this for myself because I believe in it and I Mm -hmm. believe in me and for my audience who I know will come when I show up as me. Yeah, yeah, man, I love that. Let's uh, let's dig in a little bit, Courtney. Let's take a look now at what it is that you do specifically and how you go about generating top 100 podcasts for your clients. And then maybe we can talk about how you could generate a podcast for some of our listeners. Tell us a little bit about the process that you use. Yeah. So 
Back when I launched my podcast, this was February of 2020, right before the whole world shut down. I launched my show. We had 65 five-star reviews come in in the first 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And people were buzzing about it, getting all these messages from people. Gosh, what, what, what took you so long? This is amazing. This is exactly what I needed. And that all felt really good, right? That external right, validation. Right. It feels good. And then I started having people in my community reach out to me saying, well, how did you do that? Because I want to launch a podcast and I want it to be successful. Can mm-hmm. you teach me what you did? Right, right. And Samuel, I had so many people reaching out that I put together a group of, I think it was like 11 or 12 of them. Mm-hmm. And I said, everything, it was virtual. It was okay, we're shut down. We're going to meet on yeah, Zoom, yeah. six weeks. I'll tell you what I did. Go do it. And if it works for you, great. You know. And as I look back, this was the very first beta version of what is now our program. Right, launch. right, right. But I didn't know it at the time. I was just happy to help, happy to share. And they went out and they got better results than we did. What? We had one person who was a trademark attorney of all things, right? Legal stuff, boring. I'm like, oh, that, I don't know yeah, how that. this is going to be on a podcast. Who wants to listen to that? He went out and he ranked number 34 in the business charts. Wow. He outranked our mutual mentor at the time. James Wedmore hosted the Mind Your Business podcast, which he was like rubbing it in. You know, we had a fun time with that. <laughs> and he got over 100 five-star reviews within the first week of launching. Wow. A month later, he came back to me and he said, Courtney, he said, all that was great. I mean, it was great to have the buzz. It was great to have the hype. It was great to have the, you know, the accolades, mm-hmm. the bragging rights. He said, but what was even better was that that wound up being the best month in sales to date in our company. Wow. Because of the podcast. Well, of course, yeah. And so then I knew I was onto something. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. Well, and and same thing. People kept reaching out. Can you teach me? Can you teach me? So the past three years under the radar, we have really, that's what we've been doing. We have been helping people launch podcasts. And I feel like 2023 at the time of this recording has been the year of a pivot for so many people. (laughs) Yes. And this is when I finally put my stake in the ground and was like, look, we're bringing this thing front and center because not only does it serve my deeper purpose Mm -hmm. of using my voice, and the gift of my voice and the responsibility as an entrepreneur that I have to use it. Of course. But to yeah. help other people do the same because your voice is what creates your legacy. Right, right. That's what people will remember you. I mean, where would we be in the world without Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Rosa Parks? I mean, you name anyone who has spoken through history, mm-hmm. their voice echoes. It carries on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, I, that's, that's one of the things I like about having hundreds of podcast episodes and YouTube videos and everything else. You know, even if, even if, I, uh, even if I fell out tomorrow, there'd still be a little bit left for a while, you know. It's, uh, still it's, be something. It's definitely leaving something. And you know, it's, it's not necessarily about the sound of the voice, moreover the, the content of the message and being able to have a, a positive influence and a positive impact on, uh, on people around us. Matt, what would you yeah. say, like, your biggest takeaway from being such a successful podcaster because you have a, a number two ranked podcast show right now with uh, the anti-fragile entrepreneurship podcast what would you say some of the biggest takeaways from being a podcaster have uh, have been over the last couple of years you know at the end of the day we're all humans mm-hmm. and what i mean by that twofold first like i mentioned earlier i have a background in psychology So a lot of what I teach in podcasting, it's not the tech, it's not the logistics. I mean, yeah, of course, those are things that make up a podcast, but it's not what makes a podcast successful. So when we teach someone about how to become the host of a top 100 podcast, Mm -hmm. we're teaching them how to sell the content in their episodes 
in a way that their listener understands is relevant for them. Right. Teaching them how to launch, how to relaunch when they hit a plateau mm -hmm. and continue generating awareness and excitement and buzz for the message they have to share. And we're teaching them how to attract and keep and convert those listeners to their business, to leads and clients over the long term. But all of it is rooted in the science of human behavior. And so my biggest takeaway from the podcast, on the one hand, in bringing some incredible guests on the show like you, like others that I've brought on, is that no matter where you are in your business, mm -hmm. no matter where that person that you're interviewing is in their business, you're just two humans in a room having a really awesome conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And podcasting levels the playing field. It's gotten me on the radar of companies and brands that I would have never, ever dreamed. I would have only dreamed of partnering right, right. with, but now mm -hmm. am partnering with. And it's like, wow, dream come true. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, human behavior. Why do people listen to podcasts? To solve problems that they're experiencing. Right. right. For help with very real issues that they're dealing with in their life. And to remember that at the end of the day, on the other side of that download is a person listening. Yeah. And that that's who we're here as podcast hosts to serve. I, I think that we can forget that from time to time and, and myself included. You know, you, you just look at that as a, a number on a screen. How many downloads did I get today? How many streams did I get today? But you forget that there's people on the end of those streams that you're positively impacting and uh, putting out all the good in the world. So yeah, I, uh, I definitely like that takeaway, Courtney. Good job. <laughs> well done. All right, we are going to start to move towards the end of the interview. And I have a couple of fun questions that I ask like every guest. And so the first one, you know, we talked a little bit earlier. I uh, can't remember if we were off air or not, but the, the premise of the show is, uh, is to talk to entrepreneurs that are a little bit behind us in their journey and to maybe give them a few pointers. So I'm going to ask you if you could hop in the old time machine and jump back maybe 10 years and talk to Courtney from 10 years ago. What's one piece of advice that you'd want to, uh, want to give her? I would want to look her in the eye and say to her with so much love that your own fear is what's standing in the way right now of you doing what you're here on this earth to do. Wow. Man, that's so strong. It's so powerful. Yeah. Do you think that fear is the obstacle that most entrepreneurs contend with? Do you think that's the biggest one? I, I think it might be. I think the fear of failure is something that, that really gets underestimated and it causes people to maybe just freeze and not take action. Fear is huge. And I think it's, it's fear of failure, but even deeper than that, it's fear of rejection. Ooh, yeah. And deeper than that, it's fear of abandonment. And deeper than that, it's fear of being unlovable. Wow. That was deep. That's a lot of fears, Courtney. Wow. Um, but imagine when you have <laughs> all of that contending with you in your yeah, business as you're trying yeah, to go out there and do yeah. this thing. And these are the, the depths of the fear, right? That root, those roots mm -hmm. go deep. I, you know, I have a way of dealing with that. But I'd like to 
before I share mine, I'd, I'd like to understand how, how you manage to deal with that and how, how to move past it. And then, then maybe I'll share how I do it. Yeah, I'd love to hear how you do it. Yeah. For me, for a long time, I just tried to ignore that it existed. Power through, let's just grit our teeth, get through, right, just, get, right. uh, just do it anyway, you know, just be afraid. You know, the opposite of, you, ha you can't have courage if you don't have fear, right? All these things that we hear. And really what, what I do now is when I notice that there's a fear there, mm -hmm. I usually spend some time meditating on it, reflecting on it, and just sitting with it, and just acknowledging it, and just saying, you know what, to whatever part of myself is feeling that fear, I know you're afraid, and I try to get underneath the fear, what are you trying to protect me from? Oh, wow. And just dialogue with the fear. Now, maybe I sound cuckoo, but literally just no, talking not with at all. your fear and opening that conversation and saying, look, I know that you're afraid of rejection right now. If you get on that stage and talk in front of a thousand people, you, you, you're not even on the stage. You're just thinking about it and your palms are sweaty and right, right. feeling that hair to stand up on the back of your neck and your throat's a little dry. What, what do you, what are, what's the secondary benefit of that fear? What, mm -hmm. what is it fear giving you? What is it giving you to hold on to it? Right. Because that fear keeps us safe. That's our brain's protection mechanism. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And so there's always a deeper benefit to holding on to the fear. So when we experience fear, sometimes we push through, we do it anyway, but we don't really learn from it. Right. And fear comes back and it just becomes this cycle of fear, push, anxiety, fear, push, anxiety. Other times we don't do anything because we are afraid. Mm-hmm. And when we don't take the action, that fear is actually what's preventing us from taking that action. Wow. And when the fear prevents us, there's a deeper benefit to it. Because at, on some level in your brain, it's safer not to do the thing. That's true. For me, yeah. using my voice, it was safer not to speak up mm -hmm. than it was to speak up and be hurt for it, and to be punished for it. And so the secondary benefit there was well, I can earn my mom's love by not speaking up because surely when I speak up, she doesn't love me. She's punishing me. Right, right. She's trying to put me in my place. And so we develop these belief patterns, a lot of them rooted in and driven by fear. And when you can open up that dialogue with the fear, and of course, you know, if, if this is really big stuff you're dealing with, the help of a, a qualified therapist or a coach who is well-versed yeah. in this kind of thing can really be beneficial to helping you learn how to face and embrace that fear and understand what's underneath it, what it's protecting you from. And then you can say to the fear, you know what? I know that you have worked so hard all these years to keep me safe, and now it's time to rest. And I'm going to get back in the driver's seat now, and we're going to move forward together, and we're going to be okay. Wow. Dude, you're so much smarter than me. Like, now my way of dealing with it sounds dumb. <laughs> like, uh, okay, now I want to hear your way of dealing with it, though, because I, this, you set all that up, and I'm like, now I got to hear it. What is yeah, it? but yours, like, you know, yours is like, like this, this finesse tactic. Mine's just like a two-by-four at the side of the head. Like, it's just a blunt object. Like, all right, so if I'm scared of something, um, like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, imagine your feet, look down at your feet, imagine that, and draw a line by your toes, right across the front of your toes, right? That's zero right now. If the worst that can happen is going to knock me back two steps, then 
I could take two steps forward. Like, I know I can get back to this line that I've drawn. I'm already here. This is my foundation. This is my baseline. Like, I'm here. There is nothing that can happen that's so earth-shatteringly bad it's going to put this baseline out of reach for me. I can always come back. This is safety. This is home base. All right, so what are you scared of? What do you have to lose by stepping forward? What do you have to lose? What's the worst that can happen? And generally, for every fear you've got, the worst that can happen is you end up right back with your toes on that baseline. And so that, that's how I get over it. I take a look and I, I weigh it up. Let's say, let's say, for example, let's say there's a pretty girl you want to go talk to. Well, what happens if she rejects me? All right, well, do you have a pretty girl right now? Well, no, I do not. Well, if I go and talk to this girl, might I have a pretty girl? Yes, I might. What do I have to lose? The embarrassment of maybe having to take a step backwards. I can come to this line again and again and again. Right, and so, and, and I just want to say, I do have a very pretty girl, by the way, and she's wonderful. So I just, I didn't want her to take exception to that, like, exercise there. But the, the point is, it's with anything. Like, if, if I want something, what's the worst that can happen? And when I look down at my feet, pretty much the worst that can happen, if I go all in and try and get it, the very worst thing is I'll just end up standing right back where I'm standing. And so that, to me, that gets rid of, every kind of hesitation and fear that I've got because I can always come back to this point. It's like a save point. It's like a, a check mark in a video game, you know? So that's how I beat it. <laughs> well, I love that too because it's so practical and it's so, you know, sometimes when we're dealing with something that's a big question mark, it's an unknown fear. A lot mm -hmm. of times it's there, it's driving us, but sometimes we're not even aware of it. Right, right. So it can be difficult to bring that to light. And there are many ways, depending on who you are, how you're wired, how you were brought up, right? Where you are in the world right now, that you can look at something. And sometimes you might want to look at it from one way, another time, another way, another time, both ways, right? So fear is always going to be present. Mm -hmm. I think that believing that we will ever be without fear is a false expectation. Absolutely. And that we have to learn to befriend our fear, whatever path it takes for you to get there, <laughs> so that it doesn't hold you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like Tabasco, you know, it, you, you don't like drinking it neat, but sometimes it makes the meal a little better, you know, having a little bit of fear, having a little trepidation there to keep you uh, focused on where the edge is. Man. Yes, which fun fact, Tabasco is made about an hour and a half west of where I live. No kidding. No kidding. Yes. I, I don't even know what's in it. I just know it makes eggs taste really good. So like, just... <laughs> I'm amazed y'all have that over there in the UK. Like, whoa. Oh, I, I don't even know what they have in the UK anymore. Uh, it's about time I went home. Um, anyways, all right, Courtney, that was wonderful. Before we get off here, um, please tell me if the listeners have liked what you've had to say today. Where can they go, follow you, and see more about what you do with the Effortless Life and the Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship Podcast? Yeah, so you mentioned the podcast. Any podcast app that you listen on, type in my name or the podcast name, Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. and you'll find it. I'm on Instagram, at the Courtney Elmer, if you want to connect with me personally. In fact, you know what? I would love it if you would find me on Instagram, hit the follow button, and send me a DM, and let me know what was your biggest takeaway from this episode. What jumped out at you the most? I'd love that I'd too. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, you should do And then that. if podcasting is something you're interested in, whether you are thinking of launching a podcast, but you haven't yet because you're afraid you're going to run out of things to talk about, 
or that the tech is too complicated or that you're not gonna have time to keep up with it or whatever other fears are getting in the way of you doing it. Or if you have a podcast right now that you launched six months ago or more and you're still getting less than a thousand downloads per episode and it's not growing like you expected it to for all the time and effort that you're putting in, then I'd love to invite you to join me for one of our upcoming workshops. We teach these on a regular recurring basis. They're totally free. There is no pitch. We just walk you through our methodology of what we do and what we've helped, what we've taught over five dozen other coaches and consultants to do to get them in the top 100 with a podcast that can turn your listeners to leads for your business. And if you're interested in learning more about that, want to see when the next date is, time, all that good stuff, just go to antifragileentrepreneurship.co forward slash workshop. We're going to put that link in the show notes so people don't misspell it. But we'll put all the links in the show Drop notes. Drop it in the me. notes. You know, while you're at it, I'll mention this too, Samuel, because yeah. I know like workshops, we're busy. We're about to, the time of this recording, we're about to move into the holidays. Oh, I know, it's right? <laughs> crazy. And so we actually just released a private podcast as well, where you could just binge the entire methodology on the go. Oh, wow. And if you'd like to do that, then same link, antifragileentrepreneurship.co forward slash access. So I'll give you both links. You can drop them in the show notes. Pick your poison, whatever works best for you. Either come hang out with me live or listen on your own time and you know learn how to actually leverage a podcast to get your message in the world. Perfect. Wonderful. Courtney, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today. It's been a real pleasure uh, talking to you again and uh, having you run back and do my show. So thank you for coming and hanging out. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Awesome. Guys, that was Courtney Elmer, the creator of The Effortless Life and the host of the Anti-Fragile Entrepreneurship Podcast. If you have enjoyed hanging out with her today as I have, please do me a favor. You can go find her on Instagram at the Courtney Elmer or you can check out her links in our show notes. All right, that's going to do it for the show today. You'll be good. Stay safe and I will see you on Friday. Bye. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show for today. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the conversation that we've had and you want to learn a little bit more about the systems and processes involved in running businesses online, join our Facebook group over at followsam.live. All right, that's it from me for today. You'll be good. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week.